The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Decisions of the young based in passion, not knowledge, often lead young people astray. It's why darkness takes such an interest in tweens. So many changes, so many emotions, so many thoughts filling their young heads, making life confusing. Jonah is no different. Full of passion, full of self-doubt and hate. Seasoned with years of pain for the loss of his sister, and then Jess. So when offered a crumb of hope that his first love is alive, he can't help but take a chance on things. Even after a stern warning from his own father. How will this thing turn out for him? I'd be lying if I said it could all be resolved in one chapter. <laughs> we, of course, must offer the obligatory warnings of possible graphic violence, child endangerment, and that salty, naughty language I am so fond of. Now... Let us return to the story and see just how Jonah's little side trip works out in Chapter 6, Rift. Jonah leaned against a tree, gasping for breath, the backpack tearing into his shoulders, the weight of it almost unbearable, but he had made it. He watched as the M31 turned down Hyde Path just about the same time he arrived. He waved it down and leaned into his knees as it slowed and stopped in front of him. He heard the hiss of the brakes and the door slid open. He staggered up the stairs and slipped a couple dollar bills into the coin slot. The bus was practically empty and Jonah swung himself into a seat as the doors closed and the bus lurched forward. Disheveled looking schedules hung behind the driver. Taking one, he began to replot his course. This bus would take him to County Road 67 and from there he could catch the S45 towards Rift. Taking out the news clippings he had stashed in his front pocket, he reviewed Jess's obituary again. There had been no wake, no funeral notes either, but there was a mention of Langston Memorial Hospital. It was only a short walk from the bus depot. He would start there, and if he couldn't find out anything there, maybe he could find her old house. No, if her father saw him. Although, if Jess is really dead, would he have even stayed in Rift? He was not the type of person to linger for too long. Jess had even told him once that they had moved five times since she was four, as if he was running from something. As the bus chugged along, he lost himself in thoughts and memories. The sun flickered through the dusty windows in a rhythmic flash, making him feel sleepy. He could feel the stress of the past few days catching up with him, and before he knew it, he was fast asleep. When he awakened, they were pulling into a bus depot. The sign above the concrete overhang read, Bryant. Bryant? Shit. He had missed his bus stop. He looked at his watch. It was around 1 p.m. It would be dark by the time he managed to get back to the original bus stop. Damn. Well, this sucks, he thought to himself. The bus slowed and stopped near some pumps. It knelt down and the doors opened. Jonah sleepily got up and made his way to the front and got off. The depot was dingy and cold. Besides a couple of half-lit vending machines, there was no chance at a quick bite. He quickly used the bathroom and then followed the sign saying, Tickets. 
On his way, he passed a bunch of benches that sat in rows under the overhang that shielded people from the weather. Some old newspapers, pamphlets, and magazines lay strewn about. Some people, too, as if disregarded. They looked withered, weary, and perhaps hopeless, giving Jonah a heavy sense of melancholy. Finally reaching the ticket counter, he was met by an old man who barely looked up from his newspaper. Shouldn't you be in school? He said, chewing on the end of an old cigarette. Yes, sir, normally, but my grandmother's sick and I was given permission to visit her in Rift and help her out. Ah, all right. Well, kid, the next bus to Rift is leaving in three minutes. You'll need to hurry if you plan on catching it. Where? Line three, the old man said, his yellowing fingers pointing just past the building to several numbered columns. He could just make out the number three. Thanks! He tore off, nearly crashing into a huge man in an overcoat. He seemed to be heading back the way Jonah had come. Jonah was grateful he missed him. The man was more than intimidating. Excuse me, he huffed, yelling to the closing door of the gray and blue bus. Wait! Wait! He heard a hiss and a pop, and the bus began to kneel as the door slid open. Let's go, kid, a gruff-sounding driver admonished Jonah, who was panting his way up the stairs. Where are you headed in such a hurry? Riff, sir. That's two dollars, kid. Jonah dug out the bills and stuck them into the bill collector. Can I get a transfer? Yeah, that's an extra quarter. He dropped it in, and the driver handed him a stub. Thanks, he said. He hadn't gotten a transfer the last time because he didn't expect to fall asleep. The bus began to roll away when it jerked to a stop. Jesus, the driver called out. And once again, the bus kneeled and the doors opened. Hey, mister, I almost hit you. I'm sorry. Is this the bus to Rift? Yeah. Good. The bus moaned under his weight and the big man in the overcoat made his way up the steps. A little girl remarked, Jeez, mister, you're really big. The man did his best to smile as he made his way back to the back of the bus. Jonah wanted to hide behind his backpack. Something about this man felt off. He began to reconsider his thoughts on Rift. Maybe he should have listened to his dad after all. As they drove off, he closed his eyes, going over and over in his head what to ask the nurses at reception when he arrived. Then he heard a squeal of delight and looked back to the back of the bus. The little girl was playing peekaboo with the big man. Jonah let out a sigh of relief. Maybe he was wrong about the stranger. He hoped so. He hadn't even been gone a full day, and he already felt as if the hunters had closed in. As the bus winded its way back through the hills towards Rift, Jonah couldn't help but admire the sunlit valley and how the budding trees gave the bluish rock a splash of varying color. The bus made a sharp turn and then began to descend down a steep slope towards an old red steel bridge that stretched over the Grigora River. He could see the white caps spraying over the rocks as the water rushed down past towards Alpita Falls and into Rift Harbor. From there, he could make out a few ships just beyond the spray of the water. It acted like a mist, giving Rift a strange look from this angle. The bus slowed as it reached County Road 67, an offshoot of Route 7, the road running between his home and Bryant. From here, he would have to wait for the S-45, which would take him directly to the Rift Depot. He'd have about a half an hour wait. He looked at his watch, 3.45. He'd make it before dark. 
That was good. As he got off the bus, he was surprised that it didn't just drive off. Instead, he heard the sounds of a disappointed little girl, followed by the heavy plods of a large man. Was he getting off here too? He began to freak out a little and decided maybe it would be best to walk. It could take a couple of hours, but... As the large man neared the front of the bus, he could see the bus bending under his weight. Only the pleads of the little girl slowing him down. At this, Jonah decided not to wait and quickly ducked into the woods. The map he had picked up showed an old hiking trail that led directly down into Rift. The big man got off the bus just in time to see the red and black backpack fade into the early spring foliage and frowned. He could continue to follow the kid down that trail, but it was clear he had already spooked him. It was best to let him go for now and hopefully reacquire him later. For the third time that day, Jonah gasped for breath under the weight of the heavy backpack. It was apparent the path was seldom used as a couple big roots had snagged him as he jogged along. Finally, he sat on a large rock and drank a bottle of water. Above, he could hear a murder of crows cawing as they circled. He wondered what had gotten them so excited. Knowing he couldn't linger here long, he got up and started to press forward until he reached a clearing below, about two miles away from Rift, stretching from the edge of the wood to the mouth of Lake Katrina. Small houses dotted the hillside and he could see the spire of a church rising up just to the right of the small city. The sun was getting low on the horizon and he really didn't want to get caught in such a vast open field, so he picked up his pace. He would have to avoid the bus depot and that meant the hospital, at least for the night. If the big man was following him, he would have to throw him off his scent. A few sad-looking, boarded-up houses came into view and he checked his watch. He still had time before the sun set, but where was he going to stay the night? He hadn't thought about that. He looked at the abandoned homes. Should he? He sensed nothing ominous and determined for at least tonight he could stay here. He pushed open a door and coughed a little at the musty smell of decaying carpet and wood. A few pieces of broken furniture and a haphazard red spray-painted sign saying, Welcome to Rift, stretched across the peeling green wall. He spied a fireplace. With the flint and some broken furniture, he could at least make a fire. It would be cold tonight, and as much as a fire might alert someone to his presence, he also didn't want to freeze. That, and he was still more than a mile away from any part of the main city, so most likely no one would notice. As the light dimmed outside, he did grow uneasy, but as the shadows rose in the dimly lit room, he sensed nothing in them. For tonight, it seemed, he'd be safe. He unpacked a few sandwiches his mother had prepared and nestled into his sleeping bag. He slept pretty soundly. It had been days since he had done so. He awakened as the sun started streaming into the decaying living room. He looked over to one of the broken windows to see a crow sitting, watching him. Oh, um, good morning, he kind of laughed as the bird caught and took off. I guess I won't be sharing breakfast. Oh, well, more for me. He ate a butter roll and a hard-boiled egg. His mother had been careful enough to pack things so they'd stay cool and not get crushed. He dusted himself off and began to wish for a shower. All that running yesterday did not leave him smelling daisy fresh. The sunlight felt good on his face and he pulled the backpack back onto his shoulders and started to trudge towards Rift. He crossed one more smaller bridge and found himself on an old cobblestone road aptly named Brick Street. 
It led him down to an older section of rift. While the buildings here weren't very tall, they were etched in character, either constructed in the bluish gray stone that lined the hills or the reddish brown stone bricks making up most of the small apartment buildings, churches, and scattered taverns. Nowhere more was this evident than the Gagora Wharf nestled directly against the last drain of the river before it poured into Rift Bay. The streets were generally bustling here. People, mostly in jeans, t-shirts, and hoodies, hurrying about, taking care of their business in the early morning. The ring ring of a bicycle caught his attention as he watched a young man speed around the corner onto Main Street. That would lead him to Lansing Memorial and later the bus depot. Jonah wondered if it would be best to find a place here to stay for the night or simply go back to the abandoned home. He heard the whistle of a crossing guard and watched a small group of children like fledging ducks cross the street to an old-fashioned looking schoolhouse. He smiled as he watched them go. The entire community was so full of life, it was almost too much for him to take in all at once. The jingle of a doorbell caught his attention and he stopped. The bakery in front of him made his stomach growl. He wasn't going to stop until he saw a sign saying room for rent next to the one that said, come on in, we're open. He could leave his stuff here, shower, and head to the hospital. It might be more inconspicuous to have a clean, non-backpack-carrying 14-year-old ask questions than one that looked like, well, he did. Dirty and smelly. He entered. Can I help you? Yes. I was wondering, how much is the room for rent? $150 a week. I would only need it for at most two days. Kid, it's still $150 for the week. You get your own key, use of the bathroom, and no questions asked. Jonah understood. It was clear that a 14-year-old carrying a large backpack was definitely going to raise alarms and no one wanted trouble. He pulled out 200 from his wallet and said, deal. But since I'm paying a little extra, I would like some fresh pastries and coffee in the morning. Kid, I'll make you breakfast. Just don't be flashing money around here too blatantly. People will take notice. Yes, thank you. Here's the key. Your stuff will be safe, but... Take any valuables with you. Even I don't trust the people staying here. Again, thank you. He hurried upstairs and took a hot shower. It felt wonderful. Taking the owner's advice, he left his backpack here, but took the card and his wallet with him as he raced out the door towards Main Street. He arrived at Lansing Memorial Hospital. It was nothing special. Almost like a slab of concrete with windows. No character at all. He crossed the road and entered the large glass-enclosed lobby. Several nurses bustled about, and a security guard kept his eyes on a row of monitors, his shirt looking like it got more action than he did. He approached the registration desk, and a nurse looked up from her station. Can I help you, young man? Yes. I wanted to ask if it was possible to get some information on a patient that died here six months ago. Seriously? Yes, ma'am. Kid. That would violate HIPAA laws, not to mention the confidentiality oath doctors and nurses follow. We can never discuss our patients, alive or dead. Please, I'm sorry, but kid, go home, go to school. The security guard was now eyeing him and Jonah realized his mistake. This had been a bad idea. The nurse put her hand up to tell the security guard that everything was fine. The only place you might learn something is at the library. They sometimes have an article about the patient's death. 
Otherwise, there's nothing we can help you with. Thank you, he replied and quickly left the hospital, letting out a huge sigh of relief as he nervously reached the sunlit street, the library. He thought about that. It's not a bad idea, but he didn't know where it was. Looking around, he saw a plexiglass map next to a bus stop. It had the usual courtesy marker of, you are here. He looked it over and started writing down the directions to the library. It was about a half mile back on Pearl. Perfect. As he arrived, he took note of an old street clock. It said 1040. Like the hospital, this building wasn't anything special. It had the same slab and glass building construction and the cornerstone read, built in 1979. No wonder. For some strange reason, people in the 1970s seemed to be looking to make things appear more modern, trying to give everything a space-aged look. It was actually disappointing, especially since the clock made him think 1930s. After talking with the people at the reference desk, he spent the next hour looking over a couple CDs marked with the date in question. Nothing. Nothing at all. He leaned back in his chair, frustrated. Damn it! I was so stupid thinking I would learn anything. Shh! He turned and looked over to see a girl, a little older than him, wearing an all-black dress. Her skin was pale and freckles lined the bridge of her nose. She was really cute. Sorry, Jonas said, feeling embarrassed. She closed the book, the title catching him a little off guard. It said, florist shops and other local businesses. It's fine. I'm just trying to come up with some new flower arrangements. Really? Really? My aunt owns a shop near the wharf. Just before Wall Street, we're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, so I use the time to learn what I can. You don't look old enough to. I'm 15, and like I said, it's my aunt's. I'm homeschooled, and she's been sick, so I take care of it. Wow, that's pretty amazing. You should come and check it out sometime. She began to get up. If you don't mind me asking, what were you so stupid about? I came to Rift, trying to find out about a friend of mine. She died six months ago under suspicious circumstances. What did you do, run away? Don't you have school? No, and yes, but I took a leave. My parents gave me permission. Uh-huh, sure they did. She closed her eyes and shook her head as if she had decided something and said, Come on, I'll take you back to the shop. I can make us both tea and you can make a bouquet for your friend. You do that? On one condition. Um, sure. She put out her hand. I'm Maggie. Jonah. I'm Jonah. He smiled. I didn't want to bring home a complete stranger, Jonah. He understood, and the two left together. Neither of them noticed the watchful eyes of a very tall man reading a newspaper across the street. Tea for two, is it? Are you sure that's a wise idea, Master Jonah? You just met this girl. But boys are so easily persuaded by a pretty face. And as I have said, Jonah is no different. And whose eyes are watching as the two stroll away together? For that answer, the story will need to backtrack a little on itself, bringing us to Chapter 7, Into Action.